Welcome to Digital Hospitality. I am your host, Sean Walchuk. This is a Cali BBQ Media production. We believe that all businesses need to be digital first, especially brick and mortar businesses. We also believe that everyone is in the hospitality business, whether they know it or not. We also believe that we're living in the greatest time where there is the intersection of content, commerce, communication, and community. And it's all living right on our smartphone. Uh, we've been doing this show since 2017. If you're new, welcome to the show. Our job is to find the greatest technologists, the greatest hospitality leaders, thinkers, and to bring them onto the show. Today, we have Jennifer Ryan. She is the CEO of Crew. You can find them at Join Crew, and that is C-R-O-U-X. Um, she's also a restaurant owner, and you can find them at Blue Root Co. So at Blue Root Co. Jennifer, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Great to be here. So I would, normally I would say you're the first person that's a restaurant owner that turned technologist, but you're not. I think this is a growing theme around the hospitality, our digital hospitality playground. But what I love about it is that because you've touched the problem, now you're solving the problem. Give us, give us the backstory. Give us the pitch. How, how did it, how did crew come to be? Sure. It's like many other entrepreneurial endeavors. You're right. It started with somebody having an issue and looking around for a problem um, or a solution rather, and not being able to find one or find one that was suitable. Um, I will admit, I never set out to be a restaurateur. And that was one of those problems I looked at too in the community I just moved to has um, an incredible agricultural system, but didn't have any fast, casual, healthy options. And so we'll skip that story, but that's really why I built the restaurant, not because like so many other people, I grew up with a dream. I was different. Um, and so I was really trying to fill a void. And I launched my restaurant right before COVID like many others, and was grateful to get off the ground, grateful to still be alive. But, um, you know, the pains of that experience persist today. And one of the biggest pains was around staffing, finding people to do the work, whether that was skilled work or usually, as you would know, you know, you just need an extra set of hands to keep the wheels turning. And that really was the beginning of crew when some hospitality colleagues and I got together and we had two sets of people. We had workers in the community, in the hospitality industry that wanted to work, but they needed flexibility. I had a lot of working moms on my payroll that couldn't pick up the shifts that I asked them to. And then I had all these local businesses that were looking for extra hands. And we thought there's got to be a way to bring these two worlds together to support the local community. And that was the beginning of crew. That's amazing. I think, you know, what's cool about your story is I just recently saw a YouTube video with Alex Hermosi and Tom Bilyeu. And Alex was sharing on that, how hard it is to build a business. And if you're going to work as hard to build a restaurant, if you spend 15 years spending blood, sweat, and tears to build a restaurant, why don't you just spend those 15 years creating an app and have much bigger impact? And I laugh, you're laughing. And, wow. you know, we have so many restaurateurs that tune into the show. We also have a lot of tech founders, a lot of people in the tech space, sales, marketing that, you know, thankfully are part of our growing digital hospitality community. But we all want to do things that extend beyond just one. You know, it's one to one, but then also one to many. Mm -hmm. um, when you think about solving this problem, how did you first go to, are you a technologist? No. No, um, I find myself in another position that I don't belong in, and I've had to earn my way there. 
And look, I, I don't know what the profiles are of the folks that are listening to this podcast, but I imagine a slice of them would be in my camp, right? We've never yeah. done this before, maybe yeah. the majority. And the truth of the matter is, as you and I were laughing before this, you know, there's some, um, there's some weird wiring that we have that allows us to push through the unthinkable and the completely impossible or improbable to most pragmatic thinkers. No, I'm not a technologist. No, I wasn't a restaurateur. No, I probably don't belong in either of those places. But now I call both of those my roles. Those are both you know part of the fabric of who I am now. And this is the beauty of. Uh, of you know where we are today, we are able to lean into really amazing technology. We're able to um, tap into skills and build a team, and you know really create something very innovative. Um, but all of us are building the plane while it's flying. That's where we are. Hey everyone, uh, Avi Gorin, CEO and co-founder of Marquee, and I want to talk about the customer journey for a second. You never know, as a restaurant owner, where your guests are truly coming from end of the day, we do see some patterns around two types of search behaviors, direct versus discovery. Direct search, for an example, would be jumping into Google and saying Cali barbecue hours, right? I know where I want to go to eat, but I'm missing a key detail. I need a little bit more information. Discovery, which is the bulk of searches, is barbecue in San Diego, restaurants near me, takeout near me, right? One of the best ways to be found for more discovery searches is leveraging keywords. Reviews are basically free content for you to leverage. Think about keywords that are relevant to your brand, your location, and include as many of those in your review responses as possible, right? How can you go about doing this? Let's set up reports, utilize tools like Google Trends, find out what's going on in your area and how you can help leverage these keywords and review responses, because someone else is doing that, right? If you need some examples, you could do anything from including summer menu, gluten-free menu, um, leverage specific menu items like the dreaded and beloved spice pumpkin anything in your review responses, right? Let them know what's coming. Let your reviewers know something they should come back and try. And of course, if all of this just seems overwhelming and daunting because you're already running a, a restaurant and have enough on your plate, just leverage the team at Marquee to do this for you. We handle all of this. We're experts in this space. We can automate this. So it's just another item that you know you are taking care of. Again, that's marquee.com, M-A-R-Q-I-I, M-A-R-Q-I-I.com. Know you. However, we did recently buy M-A-R-Q-U-I-I.com. So if you do misspell it, we got you. You'll still find us. We can still help you. So when, when did you get the first person to buy in? June of 2022, 18 months ago. 18 months. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah, it's wild. And was that a full buy-in or partial buy-in? It was, um, it was never a full buy-in when it comes to a startup. <laughs> it's never a full buy-in. You're strong arming someone yeah. to believe in something that hasn't come to fruition yet. Right. Um, I had this conversation with um, folks that I would, when we were starting the restaurant, right. You really have to paint the picture for someone to see. And for us, it was painting twofold, a near-term picture, which is how do we support the community that we're in, a, a higher percentage than normal of our GDP, our local GDP in Birmingham, Alabama, um, is driven by the hospitality industry. It's a really big deal. And so we painted that picture. And then we also painted the long-term picture. The way people work was changing. How are we going to be in front of that? How are we going to be um, 
you know, a shepherd in that experience and really allow people the optionality opportunity. And that's hard to do. See, the folks that joined us in those early days were folks that believed in us, the individuals. It's always about the founders. And I'm so lucky to be, um, you know, in collaboration with four other people, three other hospitality people that represent every facet of hospitality, whether it's running businesses, gig working, catering, um, and then one software engineer. Um, but it really, people had to jump off the cliff with us because yeah. it was very new. It was so novel and it was, um, it was really different. When you jump off the cliff, how do you find something that sticks? What was the first thing that, that actually was like, now we have something? I think for us, it was a couple of businesses that, um, that believed enough to try, right? And in our earliest days, we took the tact that it wasn't about revenue. It was about earning trust. And I still stand by that today. I'm sure we could have garnered more dollars and I'm sure we could have um, landed different you know, types of clients. But the truth of the matter was like this industry is driven by trust. And yeah. so we had to earn it. And so earning trust from a few was better than winning um, dollars from many. And that's how we started. And those few told their friends. Um, but I think at the end of the day, what we really were trying to build was a community of talent because it was about the people. It was about the humans behind the hospitality industry that were holding up the local bars and restaurants. They were holding up the football stadiums. They were doing the hard work that nobody saw. And, you know, we can speak, speak so long about what that work looks like and why it's so hard and so underappreciated and why the service workers in this country are so critical. That was really the driving force for us. Um, and once we saw that there was momentum within a talent community, that's when we realized we had something special that the workers actually really wanted this. Can you give us an idea of where, where in the United States that you currently have hot markets? Yeah, we're, um, we launched in Birmingham, Alabama in June of 2022, so 18 months ago. And we are now, um, we've really permeated um, several markets across Alabama. So you'll see it's in Birmingham, Auburn, Tuscaloosa, Huntsville, Mobile, around the Gulf Coast. And then we recently expanded to Wisconsin, which sounds a bit random, but um, I promise you there's um, a lot of thought that went into that. So yes. what's the thought? Um, well, I will say um, I just moved here. So okay. I'm now in Green Bay, Wisconsin. And so um, I ended up living in Birmingham, Alabama. My husband's job brought us there seven years ago. I'm a Southern California kid that never would have expected living in the deep South. And um, I was lucky enough to run into great people when I first got there to get to know the market and get to know the community. And my husband and I made this commitment to each other that we were going to go all in, in our new place. We, we didn't know a soul. We had just gotten married. And we didn't want to just float on the surface. We wanted to really live, not just exist. Yeah. Um, and I didn't expect to move again. I figured that was going to be the stomping grounds for us, for our family for a while. Um, but the job for him called again and we moved up to Green Bay and this movie is playing again, right? Starting over in a place that I don't know anyone. And there's this really special community. And we took the same tact, which is we're going to go in head first. And we're going to lean in and we're going to support the people around us. And we're going to learn what it means to live in Green Bay. And we're going to become diehard Packers fans and all of the things <laughs> in between. Yep. Um, but that's why we're in Green Bay now, because I got to see firsthand how special the community is here. But mostly it hit the formula that we were focused on in terms of where we were playing, the demographic we were going after, um, the, the sort of the vibe and the makeup of the town. And Green Bay, I had to see it to believe it, but it ended up hitting all the markers. And so we launched in Q4 this year. That's amazing. Are you, is who's running the restaurant? 
Um, that's a wonderful question. It's really hard to run a restaurant a thousand miles away. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I wouldn't advise. I know. It's hard to run a restaurant for me. Oh my goodness! In the this media is like studio. The feeling that I had when I um I had a baby and then I opened up the restaurant eight weeks later, and I remember thinking. I don't know that this was the, the right. baby is a restaurant. You had, you had twins. I know. I know. I we had twins. Yes. Eight weeks apart. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I remember thinking at that point in time, my mind wasn't really clear, but I remember thinking, gosh, this, this timeline probably wasn't the right call. Um, but we did it, you know, we did it because we had a great team and the team that I had then, including uh, my chef and GM, Robin Bashinsky, who's just incredible and extraordinary been with me from day one he's the reason that we're still running Blue Root and we have this great team and we've simplified and we lean on crew to fill additional staffing needs. But we've, you know, it's really unfortunate because the truth is if we're just being raw, you know, something's got to give, not everything can be running at hundred miles per hour. And, um, you know, I wish we were open for dinner. We're lunch only. I wish we had, you know, uh, you know, more, um, seasonal rotations. I wish, I wish, I wish, and the truth of the matter was the tact I took on the restaurant was to keep the train on the tracks, keep it simple, but to execute perfectly and flawlessly yeah. do what we do really well and just really narrow the scope. Um, and I'm back a lot, but, um, but my, you know, my foot is on the pedal when it comes to crew and it's a really hard thing to admit as I get older that, um, I can't do all of these things. Yeah full capacity. And so you've got to start asking for help. You've got to build great teams. You've got to create systems. I mean, you know this. So um, that's the the non-glamorous long answer of who's running the restaurant. I appreciate the truth. I appreciate the honesty. It's yeah. something that we struggle with, you know, being a barbecue restaurant and now a media company, we were expanding during the pandemic into ghost kitchens that we've now restricted and actually closed um, to focus on, you know, back to this Alex Hermosi joke. And I'd say it's a joke, but it's, it's not a joke. We truly believe in storytelling. We believe in having this conversation with you because crew is an amazing app that you're building to help the hospitality industry. And if we do this work, hopefully more people learn about crew. Hopefully that makes an impact that saves someone shift, which may save someone from a bad Yelp review. Like there's, it's a cascading effect. You know, when you're running a restaurant business, it's literally like trying to keep a Jenga puzzle from crashing down. And it's all day long. These little pieces are coming and the true foundation are the people. And what you're building is something that's helping people fill those gaps in. You know, you're literally solidifying that Jenga tower by having this accessibility to great talent. What is your plan for awareness? outside of doing shows like this. The results are in National Restaurant Association show, Kyle and Sarah and myself. We were at the Davo sales tax booth and we were polling restaurant owners on the floor. This was a very unscientific poll, but the results are resounding. Restaurant owners do not like sales tax. Nobody likes sales tax. Doesn't matter what business owner you are, small business, big business, Davo automates the sales tax process. We are so grateful that Davo is the sponsor of this show. They automate sales tax at our Cali barbecue restaurants. It is $50 a month that integrates with all the major point of sale partners, including Toast. So if you want to sleep at night, if you want to not worry about sales tax, Go to Davo, check them out, Davo Sales Tax. Uh, let us know how they're helping automate your sales tax in your restaurant so that we can share your Davo story on digital hospitality. So we are focused on, again, the 
as cheesy as it sounds, earning trust. And so we're yep. leaning hard into the markets that we're in to really support the communities we've committed to. Um, as a startup in 2023, we are in a different place than those that were launching five or six years ago. And the notion of growth at all costs is not really alive anymore. So to truthfully answer your question, I'm trying to thread a needle right now, which yeah. is um, to do two things at once. One of which is to lean into the communities and commit to those that we've committed to. There's seven markets that we're in right now, and we want to do them well because we've, I just, as silly as it sounds, I feel like we owe it to them. We launched, we've yeah. you know, taken their mind share. And so the awareness campaigns in those places really revolve around two sides, right? We engage really heavily with the hospitality industry, whether that's a bar or restaurant, but really the sweet spot for us is the event space. So um, a yes. big common theme among the markets that we're in is sports, right? So sports or hospitality is driving the local economy. And that's really important for those economies to thrive and to continue to grow. And so we've leaned heavily into that space. But I think what we're learning, there's the obvious group of people that we're engaged with on the working side, the hospitality workers, right? The folks that are already picking up other shifts just to earn because life is very expensive. And so, you know, a, extra cash um, is really helpful and really important. And it's something, you know, all of us know very well. But there's this other group of people that I've learned about. Um, and to be truthful, I kind of fit into that box because I'm a mom of a two and a half year old stay-at-home parents, folks that are dependent on childcare, folks that are relying on one, you know, car and a family, they're not not working. They're not not desirous to work, but they're right. working around constraints. And so bringing those folks from off the sidelines into the game, that's really where we found this, um, this really interesting, um, you know, connection and marriage. And so really engaging with those communities, that's been really promising. Um, but the other thing I'm trying to thread is what I mentioned before, which is, you know, the, this notion of growth at all costs. We're trying to build a responsible company. We're trying yeah. to build a company that is going to be around because we don't know what, I mean, hopefully next year looks a little bit better and brighter, but we don't <laughs> know what next year looks like. And yeah. so um, really, again, trying to lean into the communities we've committed to, but also try to ensure we're establishing like a really strong business foundation for long-term growth, because that's what we believe in. We, we really want to grow. We really want to support some specific regions in the country where we know innovation um, is lacking, but yet yeah. there's a lot of interest, there's a lot of need, and our industry is really important to these markets. So I know there's an opportunity there. Can you give us an uh, insight of the playbook of how, you know, if somebody, if a restaurateur is listening to this or a restaurant worker, how, how does it work? Sure. So if you're a talent, the worker, um, you're picking up shifts really Ultimately, it's very quite. It's really quite easy. Um, you download the app; it's free for you. And based on your location, you will see shifts available in your area. You can always change your location. So, if you're off to travel to Birmingham or you're headed to Green Bay for a Packers game, change your location and see what shifts are available. You will see everything, and you can filter based on your availability, your abilities, um, or any other requirements. It's quite um, simple. You will apply for the shift, and after a couple of shifts, you'll earn what we call a trust score. A trust score is is our proprietary tech. It's machine learning that helps businesses understand, you know, how trustworthy you are, how likely you are to show up to that shift, how likely you are to be able to do the job. And that trust score is really important. It looks like a credit score. And so you earn that trust score and you make yourself more and more appealing to the businesses. The more shifts you've worked, um, you know, showing up on time, doing all the things you and I know are so important. Sometimes it's really less about the technical skills. It's more about the soft stuff. Yep. showing up on time, showing up in uniform, um, being open to working with other it's people. It's always about that. <laughs> any any of us could do that. It's always about that. It's always about that. From, so, from the highest level of no matter what, what position it is in the restaurant, it's always that. 
You know, and we're reminded time and time again, because that's what all of our businesses tell us is important. That's what I know is important to me as a business owner. And what that does is it lowers the barrier to entry, because that means that anybody can go pick up a shift, right? Um, most of the shifts are non-technical, so it might be breaking down or setting up tables. It might be helping place plates for a big event. It might be washing dishes. Um, there are technical roles too, but it's really an open gate to most people. If you're a business, um, again, we support bars, restaurants, but really the sweet spot is the event space for us, where those non-technical roles, um, you're looking to um, level up or staff up for a wedding or a football game or an event, and you just need a bunch of extra hands, and you've got your awesome core team, but you want to make sure that you don't burn them out, right? 100%. You're trying to alleviate overtime. You're trying to manage seasonal um, needs. All of those are great use cases for crew where you've got to really staff up quickly. Um, we have a subscription fee, which is um, month to month. You can turn us off at any time. Use us when you need us. We're there for you when you need us. And then there's a shift filled fee that is only paid if we do our job, if we actually get you a human. You'll post your shifts based on what you need. You provide all of the detail. You're in charge of how much they earn, what they do, what they wear. Businesses know how they need to operate better than we do. So the control is in the business's hands. And ultimately, um, they'll be um, connected with a number of talent that will apply for those shifts, they get to select based on trust score, work experience, and other details who the best fit is for them. And maybe they need to fill one shift, one body. Maybe they need 20 people one night. Maybe they're looking for somebody to support them every Sunday night during football season. Um, yeah. Maybe they're looking to build a pipeline of W2 talent. All of those are opportunities for crew. We've got talent that are looking for the one-off shift all the way to a long-term job. And um, what we're really trying to do is tap into excellent talent that hit a number of criteria we believe are important. They go through a background check, they go through a culture check, um, and they're really earning their way. And it gives businesses an opportunity to access great talent, but it also de-risks the experience for them. And it also saves them time and money because that is... Those are two things we hospitality owners do not have a lot of. Correct. What what fills your cup as an entrepreneur? Um, well, I will say I miss serving people every single day in my restaurant. It's um it's a small thing, but it's a big thing, if that makes sense. So um now instead of doing that, it's working with this team. Um, the team that we have are six of us. So we have the work piece outside of work. I have a two and a half year old and I am um, struggling day to day to figure out how to bring those two worlds together. You know, um, work seems to never turn off when you're an entrepreneur. Um, but yeah, we have more flexibility. My two and a half year old is growing up quickly and I'm focused on, you know, learning as much as I can about my new community and jumping into it. Um, I am a person who enjoys meeting people, hearing them stories, understanding what drives them and motivates them. Um, and so moving to these new places has actually, strangely enough, been um, a pretty interesting and exciting for me. I think change is hard for most people, but I found it to be pretty incredible. So those are small things. Um, <clears throat> but I'm lucky in this place that we are right now to be building something pretty cool, um, to be working with pretty incredible people, to be in an industry um, that I never envisioned being in, you know, um, despite my first job being a server. So um, I don't know. Today today is a good example of being able to chat with somebody who um, knows what it's like, you know, and what it feels like in the trenches and has great appreciation for it. So 
these are gifts. I I appreciate the reason the reason we started this show is because we knew in our core belief that I wasn't alone, that there were other people out there that loved hospitality, that loved technology, and that were doing incredible things. And um, thankfully, now because of technology, we can connect. It's you know we don't need to go on Netflix to to connect to people. You can you know produce a podcast, you can produce a YouTube channel, you can put a video out on TikTok. There's so many different ways to connect to great people and great minds. For you, do you have any mentors in your life? do um i'm highly reliant on a lot of people that know a lot more than i do um the best advice i got before launching my restaurant was to become as self-aware as possible to sharpen that sphere and to understand where my blind spots were so that i could um fill those gaps i have an interesting background that's not hospitality focused and so i have mentors from all different industries which has been really helpful. I think as I've gotten older, I realized that, you know, being different, I thought it cast me aside as an outsider, right? Not having the credentials to sit at the table. And the truth is, the more I realize that it's not really a detractor, it's kind of my cheat code, right? To have these perspectives and insights. So I lean hard on folks that are from my previous life in banking or in technology. Um, But I also am pretty darn lucky to have folks in the hospitality space that have been at it for a long time. And um, they're the ones that are guiding me and helping me stand up when I fall flat on my face, um, giving me the kick in the ass when I definitely, you know, make the wrong decision. And, um, you know, leaning on them has been the part of the formative journey of becoming a leader myself. When you think about what you're building for 2024, do you guys see yourself raising capital or do you see yourself staying the path? So yes, yes and yes. Yes and yes. <laughs> um, it all I just say yes, yes and yes. Depends yes, on yes. what tomorrow looks like. Um, yes, no, I'm just kidding. Yes, the plan is to prove the thesis that we have right now. I feel really strongly about raising capital in a position of strength. I feel really strongly about showing and demonstrating through data that we can do what we say we're going to do. And so the intention for us is to keep our heads down and prove that we um, have the playbook pretty solid and that we can prove out what we've, you know, put on paper and then compel a couple of folks to, you know, to join us. And we raised a small round friends and family last year. We put in our own money to start right before that. And so we've kept it limited on purpose. Um, But that's the, that's the process for us right now is to prove out really for the next six months and then um, assuming, which I know we can, but assuming we do what we say we can do, then it'll be the right time for us to put some gas in the engine. What advice do you have for anybody that's going to friends and family to launch their company, their restaurant, whatever their whatever their dreams are? It's hard to ask for money and it's especially hard to ask the people that you love and care about because <laughs> so now, now they've entrusted you with their money. <laughs> I know, I know. I'll, I'll tell you, I've done this differently. Um, for the restaurant, I didn't ask anyone because the um, I, I seem to have chosen two tracks that have a very low success rate. Now that yeah. I think about it, uh, yeah. yeah. So um, I'm a potential liability on my own balance sheet. So um, I I have as long a, as you stay in the game, right? As long as you're you, right. That that's it. As long as you stay in the game, you'll figure it out. 
There we go. Yes, just stay standing long enough, right? Um, for the restaurant, I full transparency, I took out an SBA loan and that loan closed February 28th of 2020. Go figure. Wow. Um, yeah, I know. Great rate, bad timing. Um, <laughs> so um, so that and that philosophy for me at the time, right or wrong, was I if I go down in flames because I've never done this before, I don't want to bring anyone with me, right? Yeah. But I, I there's limitations to both sides. So we ended up going to friends and family for crew, and we were really, really selective. And um, for us, again, I don't think it's one size fits all for us. We wanted to lean on our community. And so to be truthful, it ended up being more angel investors in the community that bought in to what we were trying to do for our community. And, um, and we skipped that first, that first ring, that first sort of immediate family ring for better or for worse. And now I feel really confident going back to those folks, right. To say, okay, come on in. Um, but it's really difficult. I think what made it easier on us was a few things. One of which was we took those conversations, even if they were casual conversations really seriously. And I think all of those prospective investors appreciated it. Even if it was just shooting the shit over a drink, we came prepared, we came armed. People are very skittish right now and deploying capital just generally, you know, a year ago too, people were really nervous. And so we really wanted to make sure we had our, um, our act together. We spent the time to do the research. We spent the time to put together a really thoughtful performa. We spent the time to do our homework and we often talked about, which I think helped people, the best case, a good case, and the worst case scenarios. And we said no to people that didn't quite understand venture investing, right? It just, it wasn't a good fit for us to have to explain why, um, you know, sort of how that worked. It was better for us to get people in the game who had a stake in hospitality, who understood the industry. And we often um, found ourselves in a really delightful position where we could lean on, we, we had some choices to make. And so we leaned on people who we knew not only had the capital, but they had the acumen. And so yeah. we got to be really choosy. And that was really good advice we got from our mentors, which was be selective. This is, these people are going to be bound to you for potentially a long time. And so get comfortable with who they are, be excited about what they bring and, um, and recognize where you need some acumen, you know, to fill the blind spots that we had. So I guess the punchline there is we came really prepared and we were discerning and we didn't have a problem with saying no, if it wasn't the right fit for us, even though we really, you know, you want to take that check. Um, we had the long-term view in mind. So, but it took a while and raising capital right now is taking a long time. It's taking a long time. Yeah. It is, but Slow you're still building. We're still building. I know. So we're, um, we're trying to, you know, we're moving toward getting to profitability so that we're not heavily reliant. I don't want to have a gun to our head. So. Um, hey, you know, call me in six months. Let's see if we're able to do it. <laughs> yeah, well, if uh, if someone told me back in 2008 when I first took over a breakfast restaurant and turned it into a sports bar that eventually we become a media company, I would say they were crazy. But yet here we are. <laughs> don't, yeah. you, don't you think, though, and I don't mean to put words in your mouth, but don't you think some of these twists and turns, these these random left turns that have popped up have been some of the best, at least the hardest, but some of the most formative for your it's, own journey. It's the most, it's the, it's the most important work that we've ever done. The yeah. the through line and everything that we've done is storytelling, you know, hospitality obviously is what we love. We love barbecue, but you know, we're, there's a reason why we're building a media company and we're helping other brands with their storytelling. Like we learned how to do it in a very difficult economy in 2008, in a very difficult location, in a very difficult category in San Diego, trying to, you know, do craft barbecue, you know, from the South, people yeah. take barbecue as religion. So, so 
And then getting into media, you know, everyone, anyone that's in media, they're like, well, who do you think you are and what do you think you're doing? Yet here we are. Um, and we're, we couldn't be more excited about the future. It's scary. It's terrifying. But, you know, I have a great team that's helped us get to where we are, where I can have conversations like this on multiple shows and help other brands with their shows that it's, uh, I know I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. I mean, I love that conviction. Can I ask you one more question? Of course. Do you say, yeah, is your mentality to say yes to everything that comes and hits your path? Or are you, do you have a really strong filter? How do you approach that? Because I imagine, you know, how do you spend your time? How do you decide what to say yes and no to? I'm a yes, per, I'm a yes man. Like it, for me, the answer is yes, because I'm curious. You know, my grandfather was a Bulgarian that was born to be a farm boy, but his curiosity got him out of the village and gave me a life of privilege. So for me, it's always yes, but I'm getting much better at filtering what do I give a response to? Because right. we have so many inputs, because we're on LinkedIn and we're on TikTok and we're on Instagram, we have shows and we have the restaurants, we have all these things going on. I'm just much more selective of, you've got to come with a great, who are you, what do you do? And what are we, what, what are we trying to do? Because I'll have a conversation with anybody. Um, and because of that, you know, frankly, it's given us all kinds of opportunities that we wouldn't have had otherwise if we just said no. I agree with you completely. And I think sometimes saying yes to things that are uncomfortable. And I, I will say this particularly for women, when we don't feel like we're teed up because we don't have the background or the experience or the um, the degree that you know puts us at that table, um, some of the oh shit moments, like, am I really doing this? Have actually been the most groundbreaking personally. And yeah. you almost have to go through a few of those to prove to yourself that you can do it. But I agree with you saying yes to things out of curiosity has been, I mean, what a gift. So- it, and to be honest with you, when you say yes to things out of curiosity, you develop a reflex of learning how to respond to things, how to take things in, how to give your energy to get you to a place where you do get into the right room. You've already done it before. You know, we we say we we reverse pitch people because they're coming to sell us. But in fact, I get on a call with a sales rep and I'm like, I'm like, who's your chief marketing officer? We're going to talk <laughs> about content. We're going to talk about like, I was selling you some software. What just happened? Right. Like, well, now you're on my team. Now we're going to go sell this big vision to your company. <laughs> I love everything about it. Oh man. You built some, you built so many incredible things. And for folks that look at that story and feel like it's they're disconnected. Yep. Um, I think it's been fun, at least for me to watch your story unfold, because when you tell it, it's so clear, right? It's so clear, but on the surface, it feels like it's a, a bit scattered. How do you yep. go from maybe? And I think the lesson in that is saying yes to things and realizing you can pull some of these traits and skills and, you know, muscle reflexes to jump into something new. Um, I think that's the other thing I hear a lot from potential entrepreneurs. I don't have the background and not the experience, but there's so many translatable things we could bring to a new experience. So to say yes and try. Well, to your, to your point, that's what, that's the superpower. The superpower is that you don't have the assumptions. I don't have the assumptions of working in journalism or media or barbecue or, or even, I mean, I worked in restaurants, but still like, you know, that your unique footprint, what makes you gives you the competitive advantage if you lean in on it. And that's been the lesson, leaning yeah. in, leaning out, leaning away. So so final question I have, a uh, very important question, and that's about being a mom. Yeah. How do you, how do you, how do you be, be a mom and do all the things that you do? You're, my wife, she's the most incredible woman in the world and anyone that's a mom, um, I don't know, husbands are, we're just so grateful for everything that you guys do for us, but you, you especially building everything that you're building, tell, tell us, tell us the secret. 
You know, there's no secret. Any other parent out there can tell you, you know this. Um, there's a couple things that I lean on. I lean hard on the village around me. We're, yeah. husband and I are up here a solo with no family, you know, immediately around us. So we created community and we're lucky to have people, you know, poured in often, but there's infrastructure involved, you know, just the logistics of lifting off a day. Um, you know, my, my little one is home this week sick. And so there's the handoff and the, are you on first? And can you pick up this call? And can I go into the office? Is it going to be quiet enough? And I think I've just accepted that that is, um, that's part of it. And there's just not a lot of perfection in that day to day stuff, which I, you know, I, I wanted early and earlier in my life. And so I think there's this acceptance, but most of that acceptance comes from gratitude, right? Um, I am, it's a miracle. I have one kid and I remind myself every day about what's really important and my priorities have totally shifted. So what that looks like now is asking my husband, um, you know, at the beginning of a week, how can I support you? And him asking me the same. And we think about how to, you know, instill the things that we care about in our two and a half year old at this young age, when there's so many emotions and, um, you know, all that, that wonderful toddler stage. Um, but it comes back to having a great, um, you know, some great infrastructure. Um, it comes back to, um, having some patience with oneself. Um, I want to get things perfectly right all the time and just doesn't happen. Um, and it comes back to really sharpening the priority list at the end of the day, just gotten better with saying, um, that's going to have to wait, you know, because this is what's important. Um, I'm still working on that, by the way, I'm a work in progress, but, um, but here we are trying to do the best we can every day. And, um, you know, being a mom is a bit like being an entrepreneur. There's, there's a new chapter that continues to unfold. There's um, something that you're building that, you know, everything you do today, as hard as it is, is for tomorrow. You don't see the benefits immediately. And, um, and that's the through line that I see, you know, these two parallel worlds I'm living in. So, um, you know, just try to take it all in. We're healthy. We're well, we're grateful. So. Thank you for sharing your truth and anybody that's listening, anyone that's watching, uh, we care about you. We care about your story. So please on Wednesdays and Fridays on LinkedIn audio, um, we put on rooms with our digital hospitality leaders. So that's at 10 a.m. Pacific time, 1 p.m. Eastern time. That's Wednesday and Friday on LinkedIn. It's a chance for you to come up on stage and to share your story. Tell us about what you're building. Um, we've got an incredible community. Uh, we believe a rising tide lifts all ships. Can't do it alone. You're not alone, but also no one's coming. No one's coming to tell your story. So um, we want to teach you how to be uncomfortable. If you are uncomfortable, eventually you get good at it. And eventually you'll have other people that are asking you how to do it. Even though you feel uncomfortable, you feel weird, um, do it, do the work. And thank you so much, Jennifer, for seriously, for taking the time for building what you're building. Um, we're grateful. We hope that you stay connected. If there's anything that we can do, our community can do for you. Um, we'll share the cruise story um, and you just keep in touch. We appreciate it. Thanks for all you do. Absolutely. And uh, as always, stay curious, get involved, and don't be afraid to ask for help. We will catch you guys all next week. Thank you.